Crack a lag on the track. What's up, everyone? My name is Crack Lag. Welcome back to the Free Game with Crack podcast. On today's episode, I had BusyWorks Beats. If you don't know who BusyWorks Beats is, kind of similar to like World Z Production. This guy's been dominating YouTube with FL Studio tutorials for years. I can't tell you how many videos I've watched of his in the past. So it's an honor to have him on the podcast and just have a conversation, go back and forth. He shares his philosophy on a lot of different things that helped him along his journey to get to where he's at today. Today, he has almost 700,000 subscribers. By the time you see this, he could have more than that. He's definitely someone that I look up to being a music producer and being on YouTube. Where he's at and the success he's achieved is definitely something that, you know, someone like myself is definitely aiming for. Without further ado, welcome to the Free Game with Crack podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Free Game with Crack podcast. Today, I have a YouTube music producer goat. I have Busy Works Beats. Busy Works, how's it going, man? What's going on? How's everybody doing? How you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm excited to do this. This is a this is an honor for me. For sure. Yeah. For everybody watching, I gotta let them know too. Like, if you see me looking into the clouds, it's because I'm looking into the little corner cam. So I'm, I'm trying to look forward, but look at you at the same time. Just letting people know I'm not crazy. But yeah, we're just chilling, man. It's a good. What's today? Today is Tuesday. Tuesday, uh, April 28th. This is what uh, we're about five weeks into quarantine or so six weeks yeah i know this quarantine who knows how long it's gonna last we're gonna be like six years into quarantine day 3675 man i i I hope not so where i want to start is how i heard about you so i remember about four or five years ago you know i'm a music producer i love going on youtube and looking up tutorials or tip videos just to study and get better at making beats and i kept seeing your videos, your intro song was stuck in my head, your voice, when you open up your videos, and man, since then, your channel's almost at, like, what, 700,000 subscribers? Close. Close. I don't know the exact number. I think it's like 693 or something like that, but we're close. Uh-huh. But I will say, once your channel gets to 100,000, you're going to start moving, like, light speed. With YouTube, like, the snowball effect of once it picks up that steam, then it's just massive growth. It's a snowball, but you got to keep making snowflakes. And a lot of people forget, like, it's to make something big, you got to create small things along the way. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I, I think even I went to your channel uh, about a week ago, and since then I've went every single day. But I was seeing that even after this many years, you're still posting, like, multiple videos a day some days. Oh, yeah, for sure. And... This is a little side note. I mean, I'll let you kind of guide the ship of the conversation, but as a side note, I'm like, people are like, how do you be successful? Or I'll mentor some other leaders behind the scenes and they're like, how do I get YouTube results or whatever? I'm like, if you're not willing to put in more work than me, when I used to wake up and go straight to my computer and make like 10 videos minimum a day, like not all went to YouTube, some went to my premium website too. But then it's like, if you're not willing to do that back when I was 24 or 25 or however old I was, then it's like, why do you expect to even get close to what we're doing now? Yeah, I, I want you to walk me through, like, timeline-wise of when you started YouTube to where you first seen some sort of, like, ooh, dang, this video got a lot of views, all right. So it all started with, a, uh, interesting enough, it started with a Facebook group. And the Facebook group was run by Dame Main Beats. I think he went by, like, Ice Boogie Double XL, something like that. And he made an ebook about how to sell beats online. Excuse me. <laughs> Getting choked up about the memories. 
<laughs> just joking. He made an ebook about how to sell beats online. And it, what it did was it galvanized or collected the people into one group because we all had a common interest, which was trying to get better at it. That's why I respect you so much because when I saw that video and saw you're an entrepreneur, you're not just a music producer. You're actually an entrepreneur because you have the CD duplication. Am I right? Yes. Yep. Yep. You had a clothing line or have or had, I'm not sure the status. Yeah, yep. there it is, right? I can't see much <laughs> yeah. of it, but there it is. Yeah, yeah. And then I saw the studio space that you had. Then I saw, okay, I saw that you're a multifaceted business thinker. So that's why I have respect enough to even have conversations. I want to talk to people who are leaders and real entrepreneurs. I think the this is such an aside. I'll say it real quick though. A lot of people are studying employees trying to become entrepreneurs. Like they're looking up to these producer goats, whoever they may be in the industry. But if you look at what they actually are in the industry, they're an employee. So it's like they're not even entrepreneurs. So that's why you, they need to study from people like yourself. Going yeah, back to the you. story. Oh, yeah. I was fair, and, it, and it's a cool style. It looks cinematic, the style video you do. Do you Thank do you. it? Who, do, who is like holding the cam? So um, I, I went back and forth with different uh, like behind the scene cameramen. But my girlfriend was actually my behind the scene cameraman for like two years because it was just kind of like she hated her job i was like I, I took a behind the scene cameraman and uh he was learning how to use the camera so as he's doing behind the scenes stuff for me it's less important as the actual like music video that i'm shooting so i would just i was teaching him how to use the camera fast forward after like a year or two he got good enough to where he he graduated crackalack school of learning how to use a camera and then he was getting booked for actual music videos to get paid more than what I could pay him to do behind the scenes so he graduated I was wondering like man I need help with the behind the scenes stuff so I just started showing my girlfriend how to do it she was doing it for a few years and then um who I have now is a friend of mine his name is Malik he's young he's very interested in like photography and stuff so he's the one that's filming everything for me and then i edit all of my videos you do the real hard work which is the editing oh my editing, gosh man <laughs> that that's what takes up i say it's like one third of my life is actually like doing this fun stuff like getting new content and then two thirds of my life is sitting in my underwear at the computer editing videos <laughs> for hours and hours true i know i know that feeling man i used to be I started loving adobe premiere and then i'm like what am i trying to do right now like this is such a big time cost and i had mm -hmm. to learn from like people like simon Servi to delegate that as soon as you can because that's what makes them great and pump out so quick but i love that you're working with your girl because i feel like when you guys create together that's what keeps the bond like extremely strong on a deeper level yeah and like she probably looks towards you because she's looking for a leader you're an entrepreneur she's looking at you like how can she be an entrepreneur how can she do her own thing so that's like that dynamic, I, that's what I respect. I, I just love to see like dynamic where you two can work together. I love seeing that. Man, this is a relationship advice 101 with the one and only Busy Works Beats and Crack Like. <laughs> yeah, it's because business is relationships. And the, recently some stuff happened which tarnished certain relationships behind the scenes. And I don't want to get into the petty stuff, but it is really just relationships. But getting back to the story real quick, started with a Facebook group. And in that Facebook group, we built real relationships. We were giving each other feedback and all that. This is before like YouTube producers was the thing and giving each other feedback and different things. And I just remember um, some guy asked for a Dallas synth, uh, Dallas synth boogie or Dallas boogie synth, something like that tutorial. So I researched the topic and I was like, I can't type out how to do it to you. There's no way this will make sense for me typing it out. 
So I said, let me just figure out how to record my screen and send it to the guy in the Facebook group. And I just happened to use YouTube to upload it. So looking back in history, I know I'm kind of skipping a lot of steps, but I did actually buy a YouTube course from this like fitness guy at one point. And I guess I wanted to apply that knowledge. Were you ever into affiliate marketing? Not really, no. No. Uh, affiliate marketing taught me like SEO on Google and different marketing strategies. So I, I had this entrepreneurial energy. I just didn't know how to like put it as an outlet. What year is this? What year? That's a good question. Maybe 2009. That's a really good question. Was it in college or was it in high school? I'll say like 2009, 2010. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere around there. And um, anyway, so I'm making videos to help them and I just uploaded it on YouTube to host it. And then I found out YouTube has its own reach. So not only am I helping people in the group, I was helping people on YouTube as well. And then I just started seeing like a bigger response. It's like, oh crap, people, like 300 people are watching this video. Something's, something's happening here. Uh-huh. So I just kept doing it and doing it. And I'll be honest with people, you know, going through college, you know, I didn't come from the you know, wealthiest family, but I went to Villanova University and like every family that goes there is super wealthy. Like to the point where a Guggenheim family was there and they own the museum in New York and they're like extremely wealthy. I think that might even be like one of the 13 richest families in the world or something like that. Man. And he went to my school and I'm just compete. And I was like, I can't compete for the girls here. They're all rich. The guys are all rich. It's, they just, it's no competing. So I was like, not even worried about trying to get girls at college. So I was like, I had this entrepreneurial energy and I created a pre-med club. And in the pre-med club, we had a hundred members the first year. Then it doubled into 200. The second year we won a uh, best club of the year award. And all I did, and I'm not smarter than the kids in my class. I studied pre-med and bio. I'm giving you a long drawn out story. So people understand how much went into this. Yeah, no, I, I want all the details you can for the timeline. You know, I, as I was in my sophomore year, which is when you're allowed to rush fraternities, were you ever in a, a fraternity situation? No, I, I uh, didn't go to college. Okay. 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 That's why you have actual education, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause God, I don't want to get into the college thing, but I did learn a little bit of something. So sophomore year, we had this entrepreneurial energy and I was like, we have to do something. So we wanted to create a fraternity, but then the fraternity had a bad history. It was called TKE it had a bad history of Villanova because apparently the kids were like something about cocaine. I don't know the whole details about it, but it was something about cocaine. Okay. And we couldn't form the fraternity. So I said, you know what? I want to create something. So we created a pre-med club. And again, I, w- I didn't have the highest GPA. I'm not the smartest kid in the class. I literally, me and my uh, roommate, who was my business partner at the time, got in front of a room of 150 students at a time because in college there's different like, uh, I don't even know what they call them anymore. Different classes with like different people in them. Let's just keep Uh it simple. So imagine like going in front of, and bio is one of those majors where they pack everybody into a big room because there's so many kids in it. So we would stand in front of like 150 kids at one time and just be like, what do you guys think about, you know, getting together, galvanizing and getting these opportunities, getting into med school, preparing ourselves. That was the whole mission. And we didn't, we didn't do it for money or anything. And like, I fought extremely hard to keep the integrity of that club, like to the point where they, my, um, executive board, I know I'm kind of going into so much detail, but my executive board of eight people, I think we had 12 people at a certain time, they started compromising the vision of the club because they wanted to charge uh, students dues. And I'm like, why are we charging them dues? Doctors don't need to be paid to come speak. They get their payment is the fact that they get to put Villanova on their resume as a public speaking engagement. So we would have doctors fly in and talk. We would have, I would sit there on the phone and just talk, randomly cold call doctors and be like, Hey, 
you know, we started a pre-med club at Villanova. What do you think about coming and speaking to the kids and help them out? We started internships. We started outreach programs. And this is all from nothing, like no money, no nothing. So that's why when people say they don't have money, I'm like, what? Like, I don't think they understand how much it takes. Now, did you start with an investment or did you start with just scratch? Uh, just scratch. Um, just yesterday I posted something about like, so with the CD duplication company, right? I remember I didn't get a loan, but I had a credit card at the time. It was like a $500 credit limit. Right. And I remember maxing out my card, spending $500 on blank CDs and cases. And then I would get the, you know, the supplies, get CD orders, double my money or, you know, whatever I did with it. And then I would go back and re up again. And I kept doing that or spending my last few dollars on Facebook ads to, to get a beat sale or to get someone to book me for a video or studio time, things like that though. I do respect that you took calculated risk. A lot of people think it's foolish risk, but it's like you're risking your whole entire life depending on somebody to decide if, if they want you to stay at the company or not. Like that's way riskier than putting your money to work. Like, and we saw it in this whole thing that went down. It's like people had these jobs and it just got stripped away and not to get into the details about the whole thing, but, um, just a quick little economic stance about this is that those jobs were created because companies were getting extremely cheap money because the fed had like extreme, the lowest interest rates in 5,000 years. It was crazy. The money was so cheap to get. So a bunch of companies were getting interest rates at point, whatever percent, which is like nothing. So they were getting free money basically from the fed and they were hiring a bunch of people. So now it's like, you know, when they have a crunch, it's kind of like, I'm trying to think of an, an analogy cause that might not make sense to a lot of people put it this way. It's like on YouTube, you know how people pump up their views with like a view, uh, a view counter thing. Uh, so it's imagine people doing that over and over and over again. So people think the channel's doing well. They're like, oh, wow, he got 200,000 views on his, his YouTube channel. He must be doing well. So they subscribe and they follow along thinking that it's all real. And then the moment that those companies stop doing the fake views, it's like, oh, he only gets 5,000 views per day or whatever it is. And they see the real numbers. And that's what happened with the job thing. But um, anyway, going back to the story, that was such a random tangent. So forgive me. But going back to the story is uh, in the pre-med club, we were getting in front of a bunch of people. So I'm saying the story because this illustrates um, what it takes. You know, you are an entrepreneur, so you had to try a lot of different things. You had to sell things. So as I'm doing this process, I'm learning how to sell, get in front of a group uh -huh. of people and offer something. Like literally, I'm not smarter than anybody in this room, but I had the smartest kids join together because there was such a competition attitude in biology. I'm talking about like Darwinism competition to where they're like the strongest. What's the phrase like the the fittest wins or whatever? I'm saying that way wrong. Strong, the strongest survive. Yeah. And it, they literally live by that. They're like cold blooded, like capitalists. Basically, <laughs> they will cut your throat. Yeah. And so I was like, we need to chip, we need to kill all this competition stuff because it's not helping anybody. Like, why are we competing? Like, what that makes zero sense. If anything, let's compete against the other schools, like not ourselves. So we changed the whole culture of the university. And it was such an accomplishment because I know I changed lives. I, kids got into medical school. They got internships where there never were internships. I got the intern at a hospital that's like the number two hospital in the state. In the, uh, excuse me, sorry, in the city of Philadelphia, not the state. Um, and another hospital and a couple other ones, actually. Now I'm thinking about it. But 
just a beautiful thing. So the beauty comes from bringing people together. That's the beauty. And then we create bigger things. So as I created the pre-med club, um, I got to learn what entrepreneurship actually was. And I got to see, cause I always thought I wanted to be a doctor. I'm like, okay, let me just study for this MCAT and do this thing. But that's not really what I wanted. If I really look back, I wanted to be a doctor who had his own practice, which is entrepreneurship. I just didn't know yeah. what it was called. So how did you find, like, what was the thing that helped you find entrepreneurship? You know, so I, I had a few jobs and it was always just like general laborer jobs. So my dad is a like construction, owns a building company. And so I remember being 16 here and there for a weekend or two or a few months, but I always kind of hated authority type of like being told what to do. And I knew, so I was going to get into this later. Like, you know, you've made music as an artist in the past too. And so that was a thing for me. So from like 15 till about 22, 23, I wanted to be a world famous rapper. And I knew that like a job, like, you know, that's the roads don't cross in those ways like you go all in as an artist you don't need a, a college degree to get to get that just like how you said wanting to be a doctor yes you have to get that certification through school to to get that job with a rapper you didn't and then it was uh uh fast forward fast forward i could never find my voice as an artist i knew it wasn't for me the the way that i break it down to people is always like at that time when i was i was i've always been making beats and even when I was rapping, but I would tell people, if I'm in the studio with Lil Wayne and I'm playing him one of my songs as a rapper, I would always, I would constantly be looking over to see, is he nodding his head? Does he like it? I don't, I don't know. Like I was uncertain, but if I was playing one of my beats, I could leave the room with confidence knowing like, I know that that's a good beat. If they don't like it, something's wrong with them. But it's so... I, I just knew like, okay, that's my strength is beats. I'm confident in, I'm confident in my beats. I need to go in, you know, at the time I was driving myself crazy recording songs and thinking that uh, a week later that I'd want to redo it and it wasn't good enough. And I was always, I, I was going through this stage where I was working on like four different CDs and constantly I get halfway through with one and then start another one and then go back and redo the songs on the other one. Like I was doing this crazy cycle circle thing and uh, yeah, I was just afraid to turn into the behind the scene guy, you know, like just doing the engineering or the cameraman or the, the guy that made the beat. And it wasn't that I was like an attention whore or anything like that, but I just knew that, you know, as an artist, you know, I used to, get ready and do shows and you know it was kind of like you're in the spotlight and I thought of a way to kind of put the spotlight back on the behind the scene guys so that's when I started vlogging about eight years ago and so through vlogging it's kind of been my way to put the spotlight on the behind the scene guy and so that's just like how you said I needed a place to put my vlog so I was putting them on YouTube eight years ago seven years ago six years ago all the way up until till now and uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, the, with, with the vlogs and YouTube, and how you found entrepreneurship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I respect that because you are, you know, you have a passion for something. It, let me help the people watching this. So, have you? Where, did you grow up in the church or like the religious stuff? No, nope, no. Nope. 
Okay, well, they have a certain language in the church. They call it like your calling. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, yeah. So when something's calling you, it means that thing is over there and they're calling you towards it. They're pulling you in. Okay. Mm -hmm. Whereas motivation is like a general, it pushes you. So that's the difference between a calling and a motivation. So a lot of people are, they have a calling for this or passion for music or desire for music and their natural talents. And that's, that's your bigger vision. It's like, it doesn't matter what you're doing to get there. You're like, okay, I can either be the behind the scenes. I could be the front. I could be the side. I could be whatever, because my ultimate calling is this musical talent that I have. And I'm going to leverage that to create influence and change in the world. So you're doing that in a new way. And now yeah. the world is literally seeing why it's more important that you're doing what you're doing right now than to just be relying on a torque circuit or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's evolution. You know, this, this all started from being a rapper, you know, like I'm actually probably more, um, credited as a videographer today. And I, I just remind people here and there, it's like, Hey man, this all started from crack like the, the rapper or the beats, you know, that's where it stemmed from here. We are today where, you know, it, it is, uh, I've, I've learned a lot of things and I, I've had a long, you know, about 16 year journey now. So things I've learned along the way, that's why I really wanted to do this podcast. It's like, this is a great way to, to share that, you know, having a conversation with other like-minded people that who also have found success. So it's like, all right, let's talk about how, what were the early clues that you've seen where it's like, oh, okay, I see some success in this. Let me stick with it. Cause that would help people listening you know they might be at that stage right now where they're starting to see those little hints here, here and there, there like hey things, things are starting to click right now maybe i should go all in or what should i do next right and and to continue the story i i hope that i'm pulling these points out enough is that it's more about your sales and your entrepreneurial energy than it is about what you do because i was in pre-med that has nothing to do with music but we're me and you are trying to use this energy of like creation but we're just creating through different like faces if that makes sense mm -hmm. and what i was going to say is oh we need to have multiple profit centers in a business like for example your business i'm just saying i don't know everything about your business but cd duplication merch you have a media outlet you have your music influence that's like you know that's four things out and you have youtube uh streaming and different things how to leverage streaming so mm -hmm. that's five points of income that your business has my business currently has seven so it's not just youtube it's not just courses it's not just sounds it's not just live events or whatever it may be and i'm glad you're showing that you have to have all these skills because they will have to have those skills to succeed and the one skill you need to focus on people who are watching i mean is sales skills because you can apply sales to all those things when he does when crack does videos he's selling the imagery he's selling the if this then this like the storyline like mm -hmm. if you do this step you're gonna get here the same way i do tutorials if you load up this 808 and add this distortion thing you're gonna get to the ronnie j thing i have a ronnie j video coming out soon uh -huh. so it's it's a process that we're showing you right it's all creating this momentum to create hype or to pull people in you don't want to have to push people towards your thing you want to pull people in to their natural passion and desire and you have to illustrate that on all forms to bring them in so i'm glad that you like are showing that you're not just like not making that clear to the people but to continue the story real quick 
um, where did I leave off? The pre-med club and starting the internships and different things. So from that, the YouTube was slowly gaining the monetization thing. I think it's called YouTube Partnership. Mm -hmm. So YouTube Partnership was literally, I think I had to make a buck. It was like a threshold of a hundred bucks. So I remember waiting like months for the money to go up above a hundred and then I would get paid. And that would supplement my living through college. Like, cause I didn't have a meal plan. And that's why I told the story of the other kids were super rich. I didn't come from a rich family. You know, I came from a single parent household. So, I mean, I wasn't, it's more than money. It's like, that's a lot of things missing. So anyway, my point is I go to uh, college and I'm sustaining myself using YouTube income. So it was literally like life saving. You know, I'll be honest. When I was in college, it was to the point where I had to work a work study job and it was a food job because I had to rely on the meals that came with the job to like survive. You know what I mean? Where'd you so work? It's, uh, it was just at the cafe at the, at oh, the um, okay. student lounge thing because I it wasn't for the money. It was more for the fact that at the end of your shift, you got a free meal. Mm -hmm. So, like, I had to do that to live is my is my point. And and the YouTube stuff was keeping my lifestyle sustained, like buying gas or whatever to get home or whatever it was. So I had to do all this stuff to get to the end point, which is, OK, now I graduated. Now student loans become a thing. You know, now I'm looking at a bill like, how am I going to pay this bill? You know, I'm overly qualified for every job I apply for. I'm underly qualified for the beginning level jobs in this field. So it's like I'm in this purgatory of qualification. So it's like this is all a lie. Like I went to school for a lie, basically. And then I just was like, you know, I can't sit here and mope around like the student loans are very real. I can't defer them six months anymore. Let me create something. So I took that entrepreneurial energy that I had in sophomore year through senior year. And I said, let me apply it in my real life. And then that's when I went all in with YouTube. And when you go all in with something, that's when you're going to see the results. How would you promote your videos back then? Or do you think it was so long ago that there was such less competition that you didn't even need to? <laughs> yeah, a lot of it was like organic SEO because back then there weren't as many competing keywords. So FL Studio, what it was just like War Beats, NFX Beats. You remember him? I've heard of War Beats. War Beats. He shut down his War Beats thing, uh, but it was just him. It was maybe a handful of other people, people just weren't doing it. So I was just the first one of the first, I won't say the first, but one of the first people to just go all in with it. Um, and then after that, I went all in because, um, uh, once you get out of college, like life hits you for real. Like it's not a fantasy anymore. <laughs> the real so, world. Yeah. The real world hits you for real. And, uh, anyway, so my student loan payments came in and I had to make a payment and I'm like, I don't have any income. What am I going to do? I had no options of anything. The jobs weren't hiring. I was overly qualified for jobs. I was underly qualified for the jobs in my field. So it's like, I'm in this purgatory literally of employment. So like the beginner jobs, they wanted eight years of experience as a beginner level biology job. What kind of, it's, it's built into the system to weed people out, unfortunately. So it's like, we were fed this whole lie the whole time. So I get out thinking there's a job, there's no job. So I, I'm stuck against the wall. Like student loans are coming towards me like a train and I got to figure out how to stop this train. And I, so I just had to go all in with YouTube to create a force big enough to hold that train back, so to speak. And, and then I just decided to go all in. That's why I asked you, um, you know, what was that thing that made you go all in for your thing, for your side of things? Yeah. Um, I think just knowing that I had to and I had no other option, you know, uh, f for me, 
I, I remember, so he, here's why I didn't go to college. Um, I remember being, so I was 17 when I graduated high school, and uh, I went to the local guitar center, and I was buying uh, studio monitors with my, I got $1,500 for my open house from graduating, and I wanted to buy some, some studio monitors. So I, I went there to buy them, and at the time, I had it mapped out where there was Full Sail University down in Orlando, and it was like, a two-year associate's degree, then they get you an internship at uh, a real record label recording studio type of thing, and then you're set. You get a job. And I'm like, man, this is easy. Too good to be true. Awesome. So that was my plan after after high school. And I'm at the Guitar Center, and then so the, the sales associate gets to talking to me, and uh, he was like, oh, you do music? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, how old are you? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to a full sale. And he's like, oh, that's what's up, man. I went there. Now, granted, I don't live in New York City. I live in Lansing, Michigan, right? So I'm at the, the local guitar center in Lansing, Michigan. And this sales guy says, oh yeah, I went there too. And I said, oh really? Like, wow, okay. How was it? And he was like, yeah, man, it was pretty cool. And then he's like, hey, Tony, Mike, Paul. Yeah, we all went there. I'm like, what? No, man. So I'm like, these guys all went the path that I thought I was going to go. And here they are working at the local guitar center for, you know, minimum wage plus commission selling me these things. That's not the route for me no more, you know. And then I realized how much money it was like fifty to sixty thousand dollars to go to full sale or something like that. And then, yeah, my family couldn't afford it either. So at the time you know I, I took advantage so this is advice to to young young people out there take advantage of living at home if you can stay at home as long as you can so yeah i i stayed at home so i had no uh rent or mortgage stuff like that i was living with my parents i had a studio in my room and i just took advantage of it you know how when people say if I had my own studio, that's all I would do too. But usually they're lying. Like, no, that was all I did every single day. I had a marker board. I still am big on the marker boards today. And I would write down, make a beat. Next thing it would say, write a song. Next thing it was record a song. Next thing it was mix a song. And I would do that over and over every single day. I record hundreds of songs. And that was how I, I learned how to do, I guess, what I do today was from my rap career was college. That's how. I, I learned how to do what I did because usually coming out of college you're about 21 22 23 and when I stopped rapping I was 22 or 23 and that's by this time I had gained enough like local popularity and I was still doing the internet and all that stuff so I, I had gained enough clientele to where I was you know making a living off of music and everything yeah and that's yeah. the story that people need to hear it's like I have a lot of similarities with you as well it's like I, I was in my mom's extra bedroom. I say parents because I don't try to dissuade her. It's like she wasn't both parents at the same uh -huh. time. Yeah. But uh, I was in my mom's extra bedroom with nothing but a hot laptop on my lap. Like literally it was summertime. I didn't, we didn't really turn the air on because again, I'm, we're trying to save money as a family. So I'm just sitting there like the ceiling of the room felt like the ceiling to my life. Like for real, it felt like I was just like trapped. And I just remember being like extremely depressed not because of my family or anything like that. It was just, I don't know. I just felt limited. I felt limited the same way. I guess you would have felt limited if you would have taken that job. It's just like why you're limited, you know? Mm. So I guess were you, were you, I'm curious, this is a side question. The gifted program, were you in the gifted program by any chance? No, 
Okay. Cause I've noticed a lot of people who are in the gifted program, they don't go with the flock. Like they don't follow the crowd. Oh, okay. What is the gifted program? Well, I found out it's really a system. They, in reality, what it is, is they'll separate you from the other kids and you have a couple periods where you just do other stuff. You study other stuff away from the other kids. But then when I found out what it really is, is a program to identify the people who are going to question authority. And they put you in this separate thing so that you don't influence the other kids. I did not realize what that's what it was until after, you know, I graduated and everything. That's but crazy. They just didn't get to you, I guess. They didn't set you to the side. And, but <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I was in my parents' extra bedroom and I know that feeling. I, peop, uh, and you said, oh, what, how did you say it a second ago? You said people say they were in their studio all day, but they're not. How did you say it? They, they would say like, oh man, if I was in your position, that's all I would do all day too. And it's like, would you really? Let, let's, here, you can wear my shoes for a week. Let's see what you do. But you know, they don't. It goes, it, and it goes back to that thing. It's like, oh, you want BusyWorks to be successful on YouTube, but you won't wake up and immediately, before you even take a shower, brush your teeth, go to your computer and make 10 videos before you do anything in the rest of the day. You won't even do that. So I want to go back to the, the parents' bedroom thing because I remember at a certain point I had to decide, do I want to sleep in my room or do I want to turn this into a studio? And I got rid of my bed out of my room and I slept on the floor. And I was like, I'm about this. Like, I'm going to make it happen no matter what. So I, the space where my bed occupied, I put a desk. I took the desk from the computer room, put it in there, and then put my speakers up and, and started building a studio one piece at a time. And I still have some pieces. I don't know what I had. No, I didn't have all this stuff back then. But did I have anything from back then? Maybe the machine to my left. But a lot of stuff I didn't really have back then. No, I don't think any of this was from back then. That's crazy. I didn't realize that. But uh, oh, your interface, your Scarlet. I started with that. The two I, uh -huh. the uh, two I two. Mm -hmm. Started with that, and then built up to get the rest of the stuff. Um, How many years have you been making beats? Ooh, that's a good question. Like just NFL, not like seriously. I, I guess just like how old were you the very first time that you even good attempted question. to make a beat? Good question. I think what was that? It was history class. I think it was 10th grade. I think it was 10th grade. So I had to be, I don't know, remember the ages. That's 16 or 17 15 or 16. Yeah. 15 or 16. So somewhere around there. Cause I remember a kid in the class um, was talking about cakewalk and like, I wanted to make, I remember beats. hearing I just, about that. <laughs> I was messing around with cool edit pro, but I didn't know how to make beats and cakewalk came out. And then some guy in college gave me FL studio. So I just, and then from there it's changed. So, but it was somewhere in high school messed around in FL. But, um, I had a couple points from what your story, cause that you said you have a, a board where you use markers to write down your ideas. Yeah. I have this thing like, so on Instagram every day, whenever I, on the board, I put, uh, like videos I have to edit. So every time I cross a video off, I do this, shh, this little sound effect. And so now it's become a thing where people will uh they'll write they'll pull out like a say a to-do list like this and they'll they'll tag me in their stories of them crossing stuff off going shoo, shoo, you know i love that that's actually a really dope not only does your brand not only is it a brand thing which is really dope but it's actually changing people's lives you're like creating habits for people good habits for people yeah positive uh positive motivational good habit yeah yeah like you said that's good yeah didn't even realize i was doing that i was just trying to you know lead by example
lead keyword lead you're showing people what they should be doing to get to where they want to go that's a leader and that those are the people that i can spot from miles away it's like oh you're a leader okay cool you're not like an ad you're not trying to be like everybody else um one more thing i'll say is this is a side note from my notes but um when you detoxify from like social media and stuff you will your task list will become the game so like how can i like your reward, your oxy, your um, uh, dopamine response will be once you do that, you know, and cross it off. That will become, yeah. that will equate essentially. Do you play Call of Duty? No, but I really want to. I miss playing that. <laughs> Modern Warfare is so fire. Like it's the best game ever made. It's a very good game. Well, I won't say ever made, but a really good game. But uh, so Call of Duty, like when you hit somebody, it's a hit marker, right? So that hit marker gives you like an emotional response. Like, oh, I hit them at least. You didn't, might not have gotten them, but you hit them at least. It's, a, it's an emotional thing. So when you do that, you're, it's similar to getting a hit marker on Call of Duty or like, a, I'll say kill, but I'm not trying to be violent or anything like that. Uh, getting the points, we'll say points. It's like getting points. And then you train yourself to where your task list becomes the video game for yourself. And then you start doing way more in a week. So we just have to dissociate our reward system from social media over to our task list or things that are important. That's why I respect that. That's part of your brand because you're teaching people to get stuff done. A couple other things I'll say just from what you told me a second ago was that white paper. Mm -hmm. All I had, again, was a laptop and a dream. I grabbed, let me make sure I don't have any sensitive notes on here or anything. Uh, let me triple check. Uh, I'll put this one up. Okay. So all I had was a piece of white paper. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't see through the paper or anything because sometimes I write sensitive information on papers, but not now. I had a white piece of paper and a pen. That's the most powerful thing, whether it's a whiteboard and a marker or a piece of white paper and a pencil, like a mechanical pencil or a pen. That is the strongest weapon you have as an entrepreneur, period. All the rich folks, their secret is they write stuff down. When you write stuff down, you put it into your neural pathway. When you put it into your neural pathway, it becomes embodied into your your neurons and things because your hormones travel through different systems in your body. So now your ideas become a physical thing when you emotionalize them. So it's not just this thing you're typing out on your computer. It becomes an actual physical thing that you start to take into action. So that's why a lot of rich folks write stuff down. It doesn't matter how rich they are. They write stuff down. They go outside, they get sunlight, different things like that. And they focus on what they want. Um, Something about, oh, I was going to say about the college tuition thing because we started something at musicproducerunion.com. This is a new idea. How do you feel about a music producer union before I get into this whole thing? Um, is it does it have to do with like royalties and publishing and, and that end of the music producer world? It deals with everything. So okay. the main goal, but I'll, okay, the main goal is really to create our own power system so that we can self sustain, do our own thing, so we're not reliant on that system. That's kind of the goal. Gotcha. But I mean, just in the idea of hearing the term, like what Sunny Digital talked about it. Um, you know, a couple other people talked about it. What do you just what is your idea when you hear that term? What do you think? Um, I'm I'm team producer always, you know. Uh just hearing horror stories of produce like I mean Sonny, I, I feel like Sonny is kind of like the face of it. He's he was like the first guy that I seen or heard talking about, you know, producer union and stuff like that. And then obviously with producer grind, they were um, trying to get it out there but yeah man there, there's a lot of very bad horror stories and, and it makes sense that before the record should even be released like the producer should have already been paid versus like hey i owe you 
we're making money. I, you know, I owe you, we're making money. All right, eventually we're gonna pay you. But it's like, nah, that should be, there, there should be definitely some sort of system in place. I, I support that. Yeah, it's like, we're not working off of payables and that's not how the music producer usually operates. Like if anything, big companies work off of net 90 max. I've never seen a company go over net 90 anything, which means they'll give you th uh, 90 days to pay them. But music producers, that's net 365. You know, sometimes they don't get paid for two years. That's not good. That's not, that's what that is doing. And this is what I've been doing behind the scenes is a lot of YouTube creators who are producers have been getting jerked by these companies. So I went on defense and I'm like, you know what? These companies are exploiting you to the point where it's not, it's slavery. Like it's just straight up slavery. And here's what companies would be doing. And I hate to take this conversation to the side, but this kind of ties into the bigger vision of like our vision. So behind the scenes, I'll just give you a quick story. And you could tell me if I'm taking this derailing your whole purpose of the podcast, but I wanted to tell this because these are the things people don't see with the music producer community. So you're right. Sunny Digital did talk about it. Producer Grind talked about it, but it's like, we have a lot of people talking about it, but it's like, who's going to do something about it? Mm -hmm. So I said, let me do something about it. So behind the scenes, um, a lot of YouTubers, like for example, your channel, like who are companies that you would want to work with? Man, uh... The, the one I see all the time is Squarespace. This video is sponsored by Squarespace. So I guess just seeing that, I would love to work with them. But no, it would be cool to even get it to where, like, let's say record labels seen that, like, BusyWorks Beats, you have a huge, 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 huge community of producers and stuff. Like, you could easily be getting paid by whatever record label, Atlantic Records, to mention, like, oh, yeah, and today's sponsor is young jeezy's new cd or you know whatever go check that out i'll put a link to it stuff like that seems like mm -hmm. okay that would be your lane okay so i'm writing this down because i'm curious that's the whole point of like jay-z right he makes uh, the music and then his brands line up with 4040 title um what else uh do say right do say yeah he does Rock Nation stuff. He does Rock Nation live events. All that ties to Jay-Z's brand. The same way your brand can tie to all these different things. Squarespace outlets, internet marketing outlets, uh, the record label outlets. Like you have different things that make sense with what you do every day. And the reason I ask that is because so behind the scenes, a lot of producers, they'll want to do business with like Isotope or um, Arturia or different companies like that. So there were a lot of companies behind the scenes that were linking up and uh, to preface this, I got to give people, you know, a preface is that I've worked with a billion dollar company. They were valued at 5 billion at one point, but they're a billion dollar company razor. Okay. I worked with them for two years, longer than some people like Metro, like murder beats, like dead mouse. They were on this thing called razor music. And I think I was the longest one on the campaigns longer than those guys. And I think Sunny digital was even on razor music the second year. So you know, working with these big companies, I see how they operate. I work with, you know, top, uh, Sweetwater, $600 million company. Um, so many companies that are cool. Isotope, Arturia, Im uh, image line who made FL studio. Um, you know, so many, uh, there's so many to count. My point is that I've seen how they do business and certain companies do bad business and I'm not going to air them out right now. That's not the point, but the point is they'll come to a YouTuber. I'll say YouTuber to keep this simple. And they'll be like, hey, we have this new plugin. We'll give you a free copy if you just talk about it for three videos or whatever the deal is. So behind the scenes, I got to see how much revenue those videos would generate for those plugins or mentions of those products. 
And it's crazy. They're making tens of thousands of dollars from these YouTubers mentioning their products. So if I'm seeing on the back end that this three videos are creating $21,000 for this company and they're just giving you a free copy in exchange, I think that is way beyond robbery. Like it's beyond, it's deeper than brand alignment because their whole thing is like, oh, we're letting you talk about our company and we're doing this brand alignment thing. No, you're not. It's not a joint venture. It's not a partnership. And if anything, that person is talking about your company. It's not like you're talking about them. So the point is like, when you see those numbers, it's like going, it's like being at guitar uh, center. If somebody guides you to go buy a microphone or a speaker, he gets compensated for guiding you to the microphone or the speaker. Why doesn't, why does that not happen on YouTube or online? So people are manipulating these influencers and getting over on them big time. So a quick equation for those on YouTube, if you want to work with these companies, there's two ways to do it. There's upfront fee. And then there's like a back end type of compensation. Before you start conversations about how much you charge per video, I would just ask you to ask those companies for a way to track how many sales you're creating. It, that's usually called an affiliate marketing campaign, affiliate marketing. That's helpful for me because uh, my channel is finally getting to the point where I'm starting to get a lot of these emails where it's like, hey, what do you charge to include our product in your video? And I have no idea what to even say. So I've tried to reply like I'm talking to an actual rapper where it's like, uh, what is your budget or <laughs> what do you normally pay? And then, uh, yeah, they've kind of. I don't know if it's even legit, legit, but yeah, I've, I've got about 20 different emails in the last six months and, uh, I haven't done any of them. Uh, some of them are like, uh, I don't know if I say it or not, but one of them is a video editing software, you know, cause with me being a cameraman, I put like videography type content out there. So they wanted me to mention their software as like, uh, a good, or just mention it in a video. To, to the audience of videographers and stuff but yeah no that that's good to know what the the back end and what other things would you say are important when companies reach out to you about including their product in a video or sponsoring good question yeah so i see it now since i'm so kind of community based again for producers by producers that's the whole slogan and motto behind the music producer union.com because i'm for the producer period i came from the ground up the mud Okay, I don't even consider myself a goat. I don't ever want to, I'll let the people talk, but I want to earn my respect and I want to serve the people. So I said, I've been doing this for two years now behind the scenes. That's why I'm kind of building this story up. And what you do is you ask these, or you or the viewer, excuse me, is you ask these companies for an affiliate thing so you can track the stats. It's not necessarily to worry about how much you're being paid right now. It's to track how much, how many sales you're creating. So do this for one or two companies. So now you know, okay, if I make three videos and it generates $21,000 worth of revenue for this company, I know that 21,000 divided by three is 7,000. So now I say, okay, I'm generating $7,000 per video. If we count an average for your company, at least give me 30% of 7,000. And that leads to about $2,000. So you say, okay, I now charge either a flat fee of $2,000 upfront, or I want 30 to 50% or 70% on the back end. period. And we're, the main thing is I can't see these other YouTubers just get a free copy of something and generate tens of thousands of, you guys have to realize, not you again, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> yeah. yeah, clear yeah. My throat. <laughs> you guys have to realize like during these times, a lot of companies are trying to avoid Facebook because their cost of acquisition is going up. Their cost per leads are going up, which means they're going to be spending a lot more on Facebook. 
So they're trying to get around it. You know, it's similar to, hmm, trying to think of an analogy here. Um, you know how like on Facebook, do you have a Facebook page by any chance? Yeah, yeah. Those antiquated things, right? So on the Facebook page, it will literally say only 100 people out of the 50,000 people that follow you saw this post. If you want the rest of these guys to see it, you got to boost it. That breaks so, my heart. Right. So a lot of people will put out like ads as a post, but your whole audience isn't seeing it. So that's us trying to get around the ad platform. We're not trying to pay for ads. So the same thing goes here. The companies are trying to get their advertisements through the YouTubers without paying for ads. And they're, they're not compensating the proper way. If I'm building up your business, we're not doing it for free, period. That's slavery. That's more than slavery because now you're leveraging people's goodwill and you're leveraging their um, flow of traffic for your benefit. And the worst part about these companies is they don't ever bring jobs back to the producer community, opportunities. They don't give you commissions, some people commissions. It's like, what are we, why are we building up these companies over in Sweden and Germany and all these big companies? Why are we building them up if they're not contributing back to the producer community? So that's, that's why I feel like the musicproducerunion.com has to be a big, big vision to create our own stable economy to where if you come out with merchandise, we support your merchandise as a producer community. If you come out with loops, I don't know all your products that you serve to producers, so I don't mm-hmm. want to put that in their mouth, but what do you serve to producers as something they can get like beyond your merch? Um, so, so far up until today is my career. Um, really the rapper is the one that um i'm providing services for to make a living so i'm selling the rapper beats i'm selling the rapper recording and mixing mastering uh music videos so i'm making a living off of like the artist but through documenting my journey and then you know once you get that attention just like the brands they see okay these youtubers these content creators they have attention we need to uh monetize that you know we we want to make some money off of that so that's what i'm getting now uh fast forward a year from now you know and i i have a bigger audience of videographers following my channel because i'm putting out that videography tutorials and tips and then i have more producers tuned in because i'm putting out those beat making videos and tutorials like that that's when I would come out with some sort of product to sell them. But as of today, I don't have that. But what I started doing about two months ago was like one-on-one coaching calls, which that's not uh, scalable because, you know, that that's a time thing, you know, like being on the phone with someone for an hour. But I guess so for producers, what I'm selling is wisdom, guidance you know the coaching calls same thing with videographers but i don't actually sell um like melody packs or drum kits Mm -hmm. i agree that's that's what i was going to say leadership is something that you offer so Mm -hmm. and media outlet so keep in mind you're leverage my name as much as you can get you know a lot of people respect me so once they see me on your show they're like oh busy was there okay i'll do it for sure it's similar it's similar to when i worked with um razor i worked with a billion dollar company so they're like all these other companies are like, oh, if a billion dollar company trusts them, we'll work with them. No problem. I started getting emails like crazy to the point where I stopped checking my emails for companies because I'm not worried about companies right now. I'm worried about building up the producer community. So you could be the media outlet similar to a, you know, producer grinds like our MTV. You could be yep. like our nightly show host type of thing. You know, Jacob mm-hmm. is probably going to start his podcast soon. There's, so we have our own, we have our own CBS, NBC, ABC, CNN, 
we control that. That's what the producer union is all about, creating a, basically a new society of producers or artists even to have build up structures and infrastructure like media outlets, products. Um, what else will we need actually? And now I'm thinking about it. We would need media outlets, products, live event circuits. Um, we would need festival outlets, um, marketing outlets. So like marketing, yeah. All this stuff is going to, it's such a big vision that it's going to transform everything. That's why I want to get as many people on board as possible. Um, but yeah, I wanted to say your value is, is that for us, uh, definitely. And I think you should be compensated for that, whether that's people paying to be on your show or people compensate or you're compensated through a commission, because that's how business operates. You know, if a lawyer gives another lawyer business, they get a cut of the business that they gave to the other lawyer, period. Uh -huh. you know, that's how, that's how commerce works. I don't see anything wrong with that. So can I finish the story about the um, YouTube thing? And then I'll kind of, yeah. I know I'm being so long winded about it. Uh, so, so behind the scenes, I'm just like, okay, you guys are making tens of thousands for these companies. You're not getting anything in return, not a job, not an opportunity. People will leave the company. So you lost the relationship in the company. So now you did all that for nothing. It's like, why don't we create our own thing and then treat the other companies like, oh, that's just extra. Like if we want to deal with an isotope or Arturia or whatever, that's extra. But we have our own thing. We don't have to rely on these companies for a salary or for YouTube income or whatever. So that's why I'm going to create an internal infrastructure of chameleon efficients for people who do want to go out and make YouTube videos. Like, for example, I'm coming out with a plugin called Hermes. I want to be the world's greatest audio software company on the planet. I want to be the world's greatest audio leader on the planet. In order to do that, I want to be the world's greatest audio production training company on the planet. In order to do that, I have to make the vision so big that it gets all the leaders together so we can work together to create something massive. So I said, instead of me talking about these other companies all the time, let me create my own plugin. It might be just version one. I might have to start back with technology that's not the newest of the newest, but we're going to catch up fast because we're going to use that money, reinvest it to get more developers and then build and build and build. And we're going to do it for the producer by the producer. So for example, I have a plugin coming out called Hermes. It took me about six months to get it developed with the team. Shout out to Josh, Martin, and Aaron, my other teammates and other people in the team that were kind of moving parts. Um, but I'm going to be compensating people to do YouTube videos. So let's say somebody watching this right now starts a YouTube channel and they're like, oh, I'm not monetized right now on YouTube. I don't have the partnership thing. Did you, did you even get the YouTube uh, partnership offer? I don't know when that comes anymore. I forget the rules for it. Man, uh, I mean, a very, very, very long time ago. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I did, though. Yeah, there's, there's like new requirements or something like that. I think the new requirement is 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours of watch time. Total watch time on your channel. Oh, wow. Okay. So people have something they can work towards. Okay, that's good. So imagine, okay, a thousand subscribers, that might take you a while and 4,000 watch hours. That's going to take you a while. 4,000 watch hours. That's divided by 24. How many days of like straight watching is that? That's, let me, let me do some quick math. 4,000 divided by 24 equals that's about 600. Wait, I definitely did not do the right math. 4,000 divided by 24 equals 166. So that's 166 days worth of people just straight watching your videos. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's going to take a while. So my point is, you're not going to be paid from YouTube for a while. So you have to monetize it to monetize quicker. You get into things called affiliate marketing. That's the quickest way to monetize on YouTube. And in fact, you're going to be paid more from affiliate commissions than you are from the YouTube partnership for a long, long time. 
So I'm going to open this up for people who I can trust that won't misspeak and lie about the brand and lie about the product. And they can earn money on YouTube for just talking about Hermes, using it in a video. If people buy it from your link, great, you get compensated for it. That's how I'm going to start building up people and sharing the wealth because this is not just about me anymore. It's about lifting other people up. So that's an example of how we can build this infrastructure of wealth to then create our own projects, our own software, our own training, whatever it could be, our own live events. Why don't we have our own festivals? Like Producer Grind did it pretty big. Cymatics did it kind of big. I don't affiliate and associate with Cymatics at this point, but they did have a big crowd of producers down in Atlanta. I got to thank them for inviting me there. So uh -huh. it's, it's starting, you know, and due to this quarantine thing, you know, I don't know when live events are going to come back, but you know, at least it started, at least we created some type of wave, but that's the vision that I have. It's so massive. I want to get everybody involved, but um, that's why I created music producer union.com. It's a real music producer union. It's not just like, will they get royalties? And I forget what else you said earlier. Will they get royalties and uh, points and different things? Mm -hmm. But we do. Now, what do you think about this? I call in some of the world's greatest entertainment lawyers. Maybe we have to pay them for the time. I don't know. Maybe we'll compensate them some other type of way. Get them on a Zoom call, do a live stream with everybody, and then they describe, um, you know, or get some kind of firm to like write out templates of contracts to where it's in our favor or something like that. I would say take the money from that and then it would like part of it would be uh there'd be like perks of being a member and one of the perks would be having access to something like that mm -hmm. indeed yeah. and i'm gonna have it to where and again like i'm gonna take that money and reinvest it into the community so it's like okay if the community made a thousand bucks and we need your wisdom for something that you're an expert at i'm gonna call you in and be like yo crack i need some help with something for an hour can we live stream with you for an hour i'm gonna pay you your fee but by taking the money that they're paying and just give it to you because you're contributing to the community and then we just call in all these experts and do a cool thing i think that benefits everybody because the people who get stuff for free don't value it and i've learned that over time that's just have you seen that bro i, I agree so much because like okay so as being a producer i'm sure when you watch interviews of other producers being successful it's like they blew up because they were working with this artist this artist blew up and then they like piggybacked off of it however i get so many artists every day and i'm sure you get 10 times as many where they just uh they feel they have this talent and that's all they need and if you would just give them beats for free bro we can blow up together but uh what i've learned is like you said people don't appreciate that so i've tried to do it in the past where i don't do anything for free but i can give people deals over time but i think a lot of people need to be aware of like, don't be afraid to spend money to start. Like, I, I, in the very beginning of this, you were saying, it's it's all relationships, right? So, my, my best friend who passed away, we met from him buying the beat for one of his friends that was a singer. We met from him spending money with me. We ended up being best friends, but if he would have been just inboxing me, like, hey, man, uh, I, I think we could really get along together and you're really cool. I'm cool. We should be friends. You should mess with me. You should check the singer out. None of that would have ever happened because you're just talking. So it's like do business first. You know, putting money in someone's hands is a, a great uh, relationship starting process. You know, it's like, OK, what do you charge for what you do? I respect it. I'm going to pay you that. 
all right now from here we go from there that just is like the icebreaker to the uh start of the relationship you know i agree and you, you said a lot of cool stuff and i you know condolences to your friend because similar friend walter brady i got to shout him out he's a photographer out in la met him through a paid job actually mm -hmm. how did i forget how we met exactly i don't want to get into it but i paid him to help me out and then he was like super creative super fun and the same thing it's like you don't expect to meet great people but here's what it comes down to is that and, uh, and aside from this is let's say your your fee is an a thousand dollars an hour two thousand dollars an hour it's like okay we need you for this time to be the expert it, and the money comes from the pool of the memberships to pay your fee whatever your fee is so that's what a lot of these bigger companies are doing um because a lot of people don't go to business seminars have you gone to a business seminar before um yeah i went to a, facebook had one here that, that was pretty cool but it was still like i was hoping to dive in a conversation with you uh how how obsessed with like marketing and sales and stuff like that are you mm -hmm. um i like it because it's it's true freedom like this is what you're not taught on purpose because they don't want you to compete so yeah. I love stuff they don't teach you, yeah. So so at the event I went to, they were just more so like, yo, this many billion people a day are active on Facebook. And so by running ads and you can show up in front of them, it's like, right, we all already know that. I've, you know, you can find all this from like Facebook ad beginner tutorial on YouTube, watch it for 10 minutes and you would have learned what I learned in that two and a half hour live seminar training thing. So I'm, yeah i'm i guess that that's my main thing that i care a lot about is the marketing uh another example uh yesterday producer grind dylan he was live and he was having producers come on the live and like play some beats and i commented on it i, I was watching for maybe 10 minutes and within that 10 minutes there was like four producers they're probably like you know 15 to 22 that all came on there and they played phenomenal beats like beats better than i can even try to make tomorrow after making beats for 16 years of my life like they're fire and you could tell uh i would say the proof is in the pudding wherever you invest your time is where you're going to be best at i could tell that these kids sit sit in their room and they make beats all day every day but that's the fun stuff if you want to do this full-time or for a living you've got to discipline yourself to not just sit around and make beats all day but you got to understand the business and the marketing and building a brand and that's how you get to the next level not just making beats all day indeed like i i, I had that feeling this past week i was preparing for a beat battle with curtis king and as I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I can't just be like doing this to make a beat at the end of the day. Like I have to serve the people in some way. So I called up my friends, Iveen and a seven foot G seven foot G contributed uh, guitar loops. Iveen contributed uh, vocals and piano loops. And I said, I can't make this a selfish thing. Cause if I'm just sitting home having fun making beats all day, nothing's really getting done. So I had to turn all that energy to serve the people. So I, I found out a way to give out free battle kits. I'm like, how can I make this fun for the people? Let me make a mm -hmm. beat battle kit or something to give them so they can use those sounds to make their own beat battle uh, drums and beats. I said, okay, let me give them free bonuses if they join the beat battle. So I'm thinking like bigger and bigger and bigger. And like you said, as an entrepreneur, I go, I can't just make beats for the beat battle all week. I can't take seven days of my life and just do stuff that's fun. I have to also do the kits. 
do the free stuff and contribute. I have to build, I built out the music producer union.com during that time. I built out and finalized my plugin by that time. So I was doing three different projects in one week. And yeah. to say, you know, people are just like, they don't have time and all this type of stuff. I just, that's an excuse to me, but I want to get back to a couple of things. Halo two. You remember Halo two? Were you a fan? Bro, I, I was obsessed with Halo. So when I lived at home, me and my brother, that was our thing. That was our like stay up till four in the morning, five in the morning, have the headsets on and be talking crap to people online, calling people noobs and stuff. <laughs> and Halo, Halo, that was the thing you could foreshot people. I remember I had a, maybe it was my brother. His screen name was like, I foreshot bks or noobs or i think bad kid was a term on halo world but yeah i was i'm very aware of halo one two and three and those were all my shit Mm -hmm. yeah that was the peak in my opinion the peak of online gaming period nothing ever matched that energy but you know why and bxr remember bxr like the hit no. and then you would re- fake reload and then you would shoot the BR real quick. It'd be, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd be like yeah, a one yeah. shot kill. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so Halo 2, the reason it was so great though is because that was like, it had the biggest launch at the time besides GTA 5. But even GTA 5, the marketing made the launch huge and the marketing made people enjoy the game so much. The marketing of Halo 2 made people stay on so long to love it and make it their like staple game. If you leave out the marketing, people can't really enjoy it. It's similar to and analogous to, and forgive me for being raunchy, but like, I'm assuming a lot of your viewers know how dealing with girls works, but you know, the action, I'll just say the action, the action isn't really the thing that is satisfying. It's the buildup, it's the tension, and then it's the action. So without the tension, the action is not as enjoyable, let's say. So it's the marketing is building up the tension so that when they take that action and they make that transaction, then they feel like they're getting more than just losing something. They feel like they're getting that high of the transaction. And real quick is let's go back to etymology real quick. So the way I think about marketing is like sheep and the biblical parables from Jesus are actually really good. To be honest, it's like no better way to explain entrepreneurship than uh, planting seeds. Cause every day here's a, here's another thing to kind of take that to a different level is every day we plant seeds, but Hermes Tresmagusta said this, he said, you plant seeds or no, he said a, a tree comes from a seed, but every tr- seed doesn't turn into a plant or a tree, meaning that you're going to throw out a lot of seeds. That doesn't mean every single seed is going to sprout up into an, into something. So, but you, but a tree comes from a seed. So you have to plant the seeds. And here's an analogy, kind of biblical in a sense is that when you're marketing, you're throwing out a bunch of feed or seed to the sheep. And I'm saying sheep because they, they gather in herds. So you're just throwing out a bunch of feed or uh, seeds, excuse me, to sheep. And then your thing is behind a fence. So imagine a fence and then a bunch of sheep. Okay. And you're on one, you're throwing out feed to the other side of the fence. Now, in order for those sheep to get to your new level of feed, which is like maybe tastier treats on the other side of the fence, they have to go through a gate. So that's, what's called their sacrifice. If you look up the word for sacrifice, or excuse me, if you look up the word for, I forget the etymology I'm digging to, but when people make a transaction, they have to sacrifice something. It's everything has an exchange. So in order to go through that gate, the sheep have to get through a thin gate and they have to shear off the edges of their coat. Let's say there's like clippers on the ends of the the gate. So they're going to have to shear off the ends of their coat. That's called the sacrifice. How much are people willing to 
um, sacrifice, what's the cost? What are they losing to get to the other side of the fence? And that's where your price would be. Your price is the clippers shaving off their uh, coat, their sheer, their, uh, what do you call it? I guess the coat, right? But the sheep have to want to go to the other side so bad that they're willing to shear off their coat to get to the other side. So marketing is getting the sheep in front of your fence and then offering something that requires them to take a sacrifice to get to the other side. That's something that's price, a price threshold is that gate with the shears on the side. And then they have to want that thing so bad that they're willing to go through that to get sheared off and sacrifice the sides of their coat. Now, the thing that you have to do in business is make your product the thing you have to position yourself like in front of the thing they already already desire. So if people want to become, you know, rappers and big stars, they have to want to enjoy the freedom lifestyle. So your solution has to lead them to the image of the freedom lifestyle. All you're doing is getting front of that freedom lifestyle and saying, this is part of a way to get you to that thing behind me. Because again, it goes back to the, the calling versus the motivation. If they're called towards it, they're going to walk towards it. They don't have to be forced towards it. They're going to go towards it anyway. Whereas if you have to constantly push people to go towards your solution, it, it's not going to last in a long-term relationship. That's the taking them from zero to hero and then uh, showing them, describing them the hero stage. And then, yeah, like you said, walking them from... Uh, point A to point B, point A being where they're at now, the problems they're facing, point B being where they want to go and become. And then, yeah, you're the the, the magic man that gets them there. Mm -hmm. That's the marketing. <laughs> if you buy a dog a toy, eventually that dog's going to get bored of the toy. Like they teach you more about marketing than I think you could learn from a guru because you'll learn little things like how to make them want an old toy again. You like shake it, make it like it's animated or you make noises that the toy doesn't really make, but you're like, you make your own kind of noise to make them think it's the toy and you mm -hmm. vibrate it, make it feel like it's alive and then make them want it again. And, or you could do like, learn stuff like, for example, my dog, I'm trying to think of a scenario. Like if he won't come out of a room, I'll slowly start closing the door. And then he'll think that he, it's urgency. I'm creating urgency to where the door is mm -hmm. about to close. And then he sprints through the door because he's like, freak, the door is about to close. So these are marketing principles that are, you can apply in your life. It's more than marketing. Let me ask you this. What's your favorite social media platform today? Favorite social media? YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. I think, let me look at my stats. I think we're at, shout out to YouTube, by the way. You're going to post this on YouTube, right? Or yeah. No? Yep. 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 Let me check my stats real quick. So I'll even show your camera just to show people I'm not lying or anything. So here, oh, it doesn't show up. Hold up. So oh, yep, here, there it goes. So it's 8.6 million minutes of watch time this month. 2.3 million views on YouTube this month. 15,000 subscribers. Thanks to you guys for subscribing this month. And then, you know, and then the revenue or whatever projected for the month. But YouTube makes you feel like you're doing something. Whereas Instagram, I feel like I don't see momentum really. I just see me get a bunch of followers and then it stops and then I get a bunch of followers. So that doesn't really motivate me a lot. Yeah. I've told people like YouTube is my favorite as well because YouTube is more of like a, it's like a deeper connection to the person. I think maybe cause it's like the longer form content and you're like, when you consume it, uh, it's at 10 minutes at a time or 15 or 20 minutes and with Instagram, you know, it's just a picture it's, You can't get too connected to it and uh, also on top of that I've met a lot of people that are really big on Instagram But in real life, they're they're kind of struggling But then the the people that I've met that are big on YouTube are like 
like that's the top of their pyramid and then there's like a, a domino effect that trickles down to where it's like they're also successful here 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 and here because of that youtube like the youtube is the the golden one that that's the one that uh i, I care about so much yeah i'm like if google bought youtube and google basically runs your entire internet i'm like i uh, think this is a good bet <laughs> you know all right let's let's go back to where we were so right after college you wanted to go all in with youtube like what was your steps to go all in uh, it's an energy thing so i mean i was dedicating time i was dedicating like again i sacrificed my um my bed for a studio desk because i wanted to make better youtube videos and different things so that's the sacrifice that's the sheep walking through that gate if you're not willing to shear the sides of your coat don't expect these huge results you know like and what else did I have to sacrifice back then? Um, relationships, I had to sacrifice friends. I was dealing with friends in college that I just was like, once you kind of get into the success mindset, I was studying Masonic because I thought the secret was in Masonic secrets. I thought it was in like the occult. I thought it was like hidden behind some door somewhere. But success is a mindset. It's a religion. It's a mindset. It's a way you think. And I was studying reading a ton, like a, a ridiculous amount um, you said, what was that? Sac oh, the sacrifice. Oh, friends. So I used to, you know, at the end of college, you get used to the bar scene and like partying or whatever. But then you realize like six, there's two, how do I explain this? There's like high performance stuff. And then there's like everybody else stuff. Am I making sense with that? Yeah. And it's very difficult for a high performer to want to resonate with the, the everybody else stuff. Like it's extremely difficult. But you just got really deep. I don't know what the IPT, IPNT or do you know what I'm talking about? IPNT? It's like a personality test that. Oh, there's like something Jade. I know there's a J in there. Yeah, there's a J. ITNJ or I, yeah, one of those. So uh, Malik, who's my cameraman now, um, he was telling me about that, and he was saying that, uh, describing me, and he was saying one of the things was he was like, "You're you're a, you're a high performer," and so what happens is with you being a high performer, it's like you get too involved. There was a lot of music videos uh, where he would be there to do behind the scenes, and uh, I'd be very stressed out, and like by the end of the video shoot, it was like took a toll, like it took a lot out of me from it. And then that was like him breaking down like the psychology of it and was like, yeah, like the type of person you are, you're a high performer. So when you put yourself out there to shoot the video, like you're putting your entire everything into it. So by the end of it, that's why you feel so like drained because of how much energy you put into those things. And but yeah, when you said high performer and then having a hard time being around the, you know, I guess the, the regular non high performers and just like, bro, you it's like when the pastor is in front of the church talking and you're like, you're talking to me right now. <laughs> yeah, so I just had to share that. That actually explains it, right? It resonates. What resonation is, is when two points have a similar interest. So like the high performer thing, if that's true to you, you're going to go ding and you're going to literally light up and resonate. If yeah. I talk about the struggle about being in our parents' extra bedroom, ding, you know, we, that's how we uh -huh. connect. And that's, that's some, a secret too. Um, tying into the, uh, oh, that's all based in astrology. I'm curious, uh, what's your Zodiac? I'm a Leo. Leo. Okay. Definitely born leader from the gate. That's your natural inclination. And what is your sign? I'm an Aries. 
Aries, okay. Your fellow fire sign. So I think I, I, uh, not, I think your type, you can get, uh, a little sidetracked and then my type can keep you, uh, on track or something. I, I, I've looked into Aries before. At least that's what it says online. And usually like anything you read about a Leo, like that's spot on me. That's hilarious. And usually the person and we're in a relationship with that's your girl or whatever, they will literally be the person teaching you about your own weaknesses of being that sign. So like, I don't want to get into the esoteric. (laughs) That's how I learned. Yeah. I learned I was super impatient. I learned that uh, different traits about myself that I need to overcome in order to evolve because the whole biblical story is based in the Zodiac. There's 12 disciples. There's 12 hours in a day there's i mean yeah 12 you know points of the clock 12 what else what else is 12 um 12 keys on the keyboard right 12 notes per octave so all that ties to the zodiac once you understand yourself you will understand why you do things you'll understand why other people do things naturally and then you can better judge how to interact with people that's really the key of being a proper leader is saying that okay malik is a is a what sign is malik do you know yeah, he's very similar to you. Is he around or not? Uh, no, no. I'll, I'll ask him today, but I would bet that his birthday is right around. Because Aries, when's your birthday? April. April. Early April. Early April. Yeah. Well, maybe he's, let's. But yeah, let's say he's an Aries, for example. So our weaknesses and patience. We say the truth almost like too much. So now you got to deal with okay if. If you ask him for feedback for yourself, you have to know that he's not going to be like sugarcoat much to you. If you ever ask him for feedback, you have to know how to deal with an Aries. Like they're, they want to be independent, but still part of a team. Yeah. So like there's different ways. So anyway, the INTJ thing, I forget the exact acronym. Yeah. But that the, all that stuff is based on Zodiac. The whole Bible is based on the Zodiac. People don't understand that. It's not, it's more than horoscopes. It digs deeper. But anyway, that was, that was really random, but going back to the, uh, <laughs> To the it kind of ties to the grind. story, right? YouTube grind. I, I want to know, like, okay, so you you said you were sleeping on the floor, so you sacrificed all that. What was like? What things did you see work back then? Like, I, I just kind of want to walk through that. The difference was, I remember saying it this way: is that I was on YouTube for since like 2009 as a user, then 2013 as a creator, then 2015 or 14 is when I when I um, actually took it seriously. So uh, it's like learning videography. I could yeah. go to the uh, typical Premiere tutorials on YouTube and learn how to do like, what's something easy people could do in video editing? I can't even like think, like slow-mo? Yes, yeah, uh, it could be slow motion or just like sequencing out a video, matching words up with audio and video. And, yeah, something simple, right? Like cutting it up or doing something like that versus like, creating transition effects and creating color grading and all this type of stuff. That's a different, it's deeper than dabbling is my point. Uh-huh. So I was dabbling in the beginning, but I took it serious. And that's when, when you put, like you said, when you put your focus in something, that's what creates your reality. Like, have you studied the, the double slit experiment? No, I haven't. There's an experiment that um, basically says their understanding of God is like infinite potentiality to create the things that are already here and new things that aren't even here yet. So every electron has two, has infinite potentiality. So it means that it could be two things at one time even, 
But when you focus on something, you collapse the electron's potentiality into whatever your intention is. Okay, so for example, I learned this from a high-level mentor. He's trained people into the trillions of dollars. Okay, he's taught somebody how to um, do a deal with the Kuwaiti government for $500 billion. So this is from that level of expertise. Affirmations start with, I am happy and excited to either to be or to do something. So I'm happy and excited to be the leader of the audio community around the world. I'm happy and excited to have the world's best audio production training company on the planet. I'm happy and excited to, um, you know, uh, have the world's best audio software company on the planet, so on and so forth. And when you create that intention, not only are you emotionalizing a thought, which means you're putting it into your actual physical body to then take action because thoughts are just thoughts until they become emotional thoughts. And then you take action based on emotion real quick. I learned this, this simple thing. If you spell tear, T-E-A-R, mm-hmm. it, it starts with thought. Then when you emotionalize a thought, you take the electric waves and you put it into your hormonal circuit. So you're making it part of your body. Then you take action because your body, again, is a chemical machine and needs the electricity to create action. And then results are the last step. So it starts with a thought, you emotionalize the thought, you take action, then you get the results. And going back, I wasn't talking about before tier. What was that one thing I was saying two seconds ago? YouTube, the be, the beginning stages and then taking a serious or dabbling in the beginning. And then hey, it was something right before, right after the dabble and right before the tier. I lost track of that. But whatever it was, that's, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. I forgot what I was, I'm in Aries. So I just, my thoughts just are super quick. Forgot what I was yeah, talking about. That's what I meant. Like with you and Malik, he'll, uh, just idea idea and then i'm a very organized person so i like having him around or i'm sure conversations with you we could come up with a whole bunch of different ideas but then i get very organized like all right let's start with step one of that idea number one and then okay this is how we can get that done okay and then by tomorrow we should be able to do idea number two let's go back to that what are more things we can get done with that idea too that i'm very I write everything down, the the marker boards, the notepads, I have them all over the house, even in my phone. It's to the point where I'll even like schedule out my day. Like in, in my calendar I had today, noon to two o'clock, Busy Works Beats podcast. From two to four, I'm editing this video. And then four to seven, I'm doing this. And it, it yeah, I feel like organization and uh, being structured is like the discipline to being productive. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I'll be fair to your your structure. I'm I'm like the Warren Buffett. He said, uh, "They're like, do you have anything in your calendar?" He's like, "No." <laughs> just like I just wing it. <laughs> oh, infinite potentiality. That's what we were talking about. Okay, so the double slit experiment. Go look that up, guys, on YouTube. What it means is that when you say like "I am" and all this stuff, you're emotionalizing that. So you're observing a thought, and when you focus on something, even Einstein proved this. Equals mc squared, right? Mm-hmm. So energy equals mass times the speed of light squared, which means mass or like us, if we were able to run at the speed of light squared, we would turn into energy. Why can't we reverse that? What happens if energy moves really slow? People don't think about that. Like that's what focus is. You're slowing down energy. You're crystallizing energy and you're converting it into this physical reality called mass. So that's what you're doing when you focus. When you have these affirmations, you're focusing on this thought or this vision and intention that you create, and you're pulling it out of the infinite potentiality called God or energy, whatever you want to call it, and you're making it real in this reality as we see it. Because this reality is really a consensus of what we agree on. Like That's what makes this reality consistent between other people. 
how you sell your product is be people believing in your product. Because I'm sure when you first started and you told your family or your girl or whoever, your idea, they looked at you like you were insane. Have you had that? Yeah. Like, with my name being Crackalac, the, the easiest diss was Crackawack. <laughs> Crackawack. <laughs> and uh, Crackawack on the track. That was a thing. And uh, I always say like from, from a joke to hope. And uh, yeah, there hasn't been very many people from my area to like, find success let alone in, in like the music industry so kind of uh trying to provide hope for people i want to ask you too like at what point do people take you serious with what you do mm -hmm. well some people after the beat battle don't take me serious according to curtis king but i feel like i feel like it's all marketing um but it, i'll have the conversation separately but um that's a good question maybe 2015 because that's when i launched my product and that's when i saw people exchanging real money and going back to sales, if they didn't believe there was value there, they would not spend the money. So for people watching this podcast or rewatching the episode or however they consume it, realize that you have to believe in your product first. You're going to seem crazy because you're seeing this cloud up in the sky that nobody else sees. Now, once you convince other people there's a cloud in the sky, it, that actual cloud becomes real. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's how you build these empires and build these massive visions. You have to sell people on believing in the same exact vision. And when more and more people believe in the vision, it becomes real. So I want to leave people off with that actual nugget of information. And, you know, I, I don't even know if I answered your question. Um, I, I was asking about like when people took you serious and you said that was 2015 and that was when you came out with the product and you seen that people were actually willing to spend real money with it. How many subscribers did you have at that point in time? Ah, dang, I wish I documented more because I deleted a bunch of old videos to, it just looked kind of whack. So I deleted like two years of videos, but dang, I don't know, maybe 30,000. Cause I remember somebody said, I remember back when you had 30,000 subscribers. So something uh -huh. around there. So around 30,000 is when you dropped your first actual product. What was it? It was actually called 808 science. And I had three different versions of it, gold, platinum, and bronze. And I remember my first customer, Manu, shout out to Manu. I, and it was the craziest launch. Um, cause I was, okay. I forget why I was away, but I was with my mom in a, a hotel for some reason. And I remember the hotel had garbage internet. Like it was like five kilobits per second. <laughs> it was terrible. And I had to, I made a mistake on the product and I had to, I, uploaded the product and it took forever. It was like five gigs of a product. It took forever to upload it. And then I made a mistake, had to undo it and then re-upload it. So I'm in a hotel like for three days because I already told people the launch is going to be this day and this mm -hmm. day only. And I, I just had to go through all these gyrations and struggles. And it's like childbirth. The pain comes before the child. So it's like, I went through all this chaos and then the product actually worked. And that's when I saw my income go from the YouTube revenue, which could have been like 500 a month or something like that, to my products now being like 10X that in the first month of like launching a product, that's what gave me hope to move forward with the idea. Cause I know that other people believe in it. So why not serve the people? So then from there, how, how long was it until you came out with like, let's say your second product or the second side way to, to monetize. Mm -hmm. Not long after, because I'll say in the beginning, you get addicted to the ups, like you get addicted to growth. Mm -hmm. And I'll just warn people is that when you attach your identity to the ups, the moment you hit a peak and you come down a little bit, it's going to like, you're going to question your whole identity. It sounds so crazy, but 
that's what it means by being an observer. That's the God in you, right? You're not the wave. You're the observer of the wave. So just as long as you understand that, you won't, your emotions won't be tied to if your sales are at the peak or the trough or whatever. Just as long as your future troughs are above your past peaks, that's what growth is. So you're going to start here at zero. You're going to go up to a peak, let's say 100. You're going to go down to 90. Then you're going to go, you're going to stagnate for a while. Okay. At like at 90, then you're going to go up to 120. Then you're going to come down a little bit. Then you're going to peak at 100. So your new peak, I mean, excuse me, your new stagnation period is actually higher than it was before. So hundred versus 90. That's what growth is. It's not like some straight hockey stick style, like growth all the time. So I don't want people to like associate their, their, uh, what's the word I'm looking for their character or their self-worth with going down a little bit. It's okay to go down a little bit. You know, you're going to, you're going to stagnate for a while. That's called the learning phase. That's where you learn to build new habits so that you build a new peak. Same with relationships. Like mm -hmm. you have the butterfly phase. What is called the butterfly, uh, period, the honeymoon stage right in the beginning. Yeah. Honeymoon stage. So here's what it is, right? You start at zero, you grow fast cause you don't know anything about each other. So everything's new. Then you have a peak at the honeymoon stage and you come down a little bit cause you have a problem, right? Then you stagnate because you didn't solve the problem. And then until you solve the problem and learn new skills, then you'll go up to another peak where you can enjoy each other to a higher level and a deeper level. It's not just the straight up into the sky growth because the people who believe that are going to be the people who dabble and give up the moment that their peak goes down. And I don't want people giving up. It's not worth it. Do you, do you remember uh, what year it was when you hit 100,000 subscribers? I have to go back on Social Blade and check socialblade.com. I don't know. I would have to check. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. But, was it uh, a big deal for you? Like, were you big on, like, my goal is 100,000 subscribers? Or, like, were you chasing subscribers with the, with the video scene? Like, like for me with the YouTube grind is like, you know, you put out a video, then you see how it performs. And then sometimes you get a video where it's like, Oh, this one's performing really well. And my subscribers are going up right now. And it's like that addicted dopamine rush. Yeah. And, uh, so now then, then you start planning like, Oh, okay. At this rate, like you just showed you had 15,000 subscribers in the last 28 days. So to me, if I'm in your shoes, I'm, I'm already thinking like, Okay, well, at this rate, by next month, I'm going to be at, you know, 712,000 subscribers, and then I can go here. So I'm projected to hit a million subscribers within this amount of time, and I just become obsessed with it. And, oh, these videos are doing good. I'm going to keep doing these. And mm -hmm. were you after 100,000 subscribers? Was that a big deal for you? This is like an equivalent of like a Grammy for us on YouTube, I guess. Man. So, I mean... It's just on the wall chilling. I mean, it just reminds me that I should probably go harder. That's all. That's my New Year's resolution for this year. That was like the one specific thing. So on my Crackalack TV channel, I'm at 21,000 subscribers. But my goal was 100,000 subscribers this year. And I do have a plan of action like to help get there. Oh, yeah. We'll say free will help. <laughs> Trust me. Free something will help. Free, giving them free every video. And, and a strategy I learned is make the free thing only accessible if they go to the video. So that means they have to open up the YouTube video to even get to the YouTube video link that's in the link. And just, I wouldn't put like an opt-in wall behind it or anything. That will incentivize people to go to the video to get the free thing, but also watch the video at the same time. And they can only get the link if they watch the video. So that's a one way to do it real quick.
and collabing, but I mean, collabs aren't guaranteed to explode. Yeah, I, I have like, so what I've been doing kind of with this podcast so far, so this is the fifth podcast, but only two of them are out right now. And so like the very first podcast was with Maddie Beats and I just, it was, uh, it was seeing producers collab on Instagram, where it was like, all right, hey, let's collab on a beat. You send me footage of you doing it. I'll send you footage of me doing it. And then we'll both post it on our pages to our own audiences and tag the other person. So it's kind of like, you know, you're both promoting each other. And and that's cool. And that works. When I first met Maddie, uh, I was on my first ever, like, music video tour. It was last summer. I set up, like, a, a six-day tour where we went to, uh, we started out in Michigan. We went to Pittsburgh and then Philly, then Philly, and then New York, New York, New Jersey, and then came back home. But when I was in Philly, I linked up with Maddie for the first time, and we came together with this like whack producer collab skit, where it's like, you know, what do you do when the producer says they finished the beat, but it's trash, right? So we did this skit where he dressed up and he comes in like, oh yeah, that, that uh, whatever he said, that melody you sent me was fire, why do you hear what I did to it? And he hit play, <clears throat> and I made this, like all the drums were offbeat and everything, and we're all just like laughing at it. And uh, it was four of us involved, so all four of us posted that skit on our pages. And I was thinking like, man, I, I love YouTube like way, way, way more than uh, Instagram. What are ways to, to collaborate on that same kind of level on YouTube? Because YouTube is different. You can't, like it wouldn't be beneficial to post the same video on multiple accounts. So the approach would be all right let's do two videos together like two collabs like after this being you do two collab videos and let's do one specifically for your channel where it's exclusively there then let's do a second one exclusively for my channel let's post them on the same day and then in the each of our videos like in my video i'm going to introduce my audience to busy works beats he's the he's the he's our guest today you know, and then on your video, you're doing the same thing. Oh, yeah, and by the way, today I have a friend of mine, Crackalack, with me, and then I'm introduced to your audience doing something. At the end of both videos, you, we each send people to the, the other video on the other person's channel. I've done it twice now, and I noticed, like, you know, let's say my subscribers were like this, both, like, three days after each of the videos were dropped, it was like a spike. You know, so I know like, okay, that spike came from, you know, Maddie Beats when me and him did that. And then uh, I did one with a videographer guy. He's like, so I referred to him as the YouTube Jesus Christ of music video tutorials. <laughs> and I would say Busy Works Beats is the YouTube Jesus Christ of <laughs> FL Studio tutorials, right? But yeah, we did the same thing. We, we collabed on two videos, dropped them on each channel, and then we both noticed, you know, there was comments on his YouTube video saying, oh, came here from Crack's channel, dope content, I just subscribed. And I was getting comments on the same thing. So I, I'm big into the collaborating, and I'm trying to find a way to where, like, it's like, I, I think when I first said anything to you, it was like, I, I want to knock out as many birds with one stone as I can. Like, let's link up. Let's talk for the first time. Let's do a podcast. Okay, after this, let's let's collab on the the YouTube stuff. Now, now we're there. And then, okay, let's make, or I can do it all. We can make previews of each of the YouTube videos. So now we're 
posting the previews on our Facebook pages and on our Twitters and on our Instagram across. It's just a whole lot of cross promotion. And uh, there's there's some guys here in Lansing and they do like the, the MTV jackass type stuff where you kick them in the balls and it's supposed to be funny and huge, I think like 3 million followers. But that's what those guys do every single day where it's like they just cross promote share each other stuff like yo check this out and go follow so and so and it's just like a, a video of another guy doing some jackass stuff and then that jackass guy is posting the other jackass guy on his page and then they're meeting up and doing jackass stuff together and <laughs> so i'm like man i, I want to uh definitely like capitalize on that with the uh, youtube it's like, you kick me in my balls, I'm going to kick you in your balls for your channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's really what they're doing. That's funny. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's definitely going to work. That's why I created that private network of, I call it the mastermind group, which it is. It's a Napoleon Hill concept. Bring yeah. all the leaders together and hyper accelerate each other. That's the whole point. And I'm with it. I'm with whatever it is. And I, I was going to say something else in there. Oh, you mentioned the, you're, that's what makes you an entrepreneur because when I was doing music videos, I'm like, okay, I'm not just doing the music video. I'm doing the music video, giving people a whole album behind it, giving them the sounds for the album, giving them tutorials about how I made the album. Um, what else did we do with that uh, campaign? Let me think for a second. You probably did behind the scenes of the videos. Behind the scenes stuff. I could have done merch. I did a couple brand deals. Like for example, um, a vodka company was in Miami when we went to do the video. He was just in the rich neighborhood, just floating around. He got invited and he product placement right in the music video. Um, this is a billion ways you, and you could take, you could leverage that to give artists song. You could leverage so much. And that's the way you think is leverage. How do you take one thing and make 12 things out of it? That's what makes an entrepreneur. Yeah. I think it's really just, uh, one of the biggest, I guess, one of the things that I, I keep seeing in common with people that I've talked to that are um, entrepreneurs is like time management is like the, the most difficult thing they face. And so that's where, that's that's my thing too. Is like, I, you know, you can lose some money and get some money back, but like time, time is, is priceless. You, you can't get that back. So with me, time, it's just, even when like when, when dudes on Instagram like DM me to collab on beats, I'm thinking they probably got some fire beats, but they're not on YouTube. I'd rather collab on a beat with someone that's already on YouTube. So that way, not only can we collab on a beat, like yeah, beat, whatever, let's let's do content together. Let's let's go on YouTube. So that way we can collab on two beats and one beats on your channel. The same thing that I'm saying is like, I don't want to just collab on a beat. I don't want to just make a beat. It's like, if I'm making a beat, I'd rather it be on camera. So now I'm making a YouTube video previews uh micro content on other places you know yeah and that's what's gonna sell the beat like i said this and it got twisted of course my words get twisted and i have to address this separately i don't want to bring that energy over here but with the battle with curtis king beat uh curtis king a lot of stuff was brought up that's false but i said to him i said i don't hang meaning like when i make friends with people I, we don't i don't just like want to play basketball like i don't want to just sit around uh -huh. and play video games i want to create something with my friends and I'm assuming you're the same way. It's how it seems. And yeah. then when I get to a point where something's taking too much time, I ask, can I delegate this thing? Like, is this my identity? If not, then this thing is actually holding me back. Like video editing, taking me like four to eight hours to get, I'm like, this is in Photoshop with the thumbnails. 
way too long. So I'm like, I got to find somebody else who can handle this. And they're an expert already. I'm not going to take eight years of my life to learn this skill just to end up delegating it later anyway. The word delegate, I had never heard in my entire life. And then this is the year where uh, my year of delegation, <laughs> this is my year of delegating things and hiring people to, like, like you said, low, lower, was it lower leverage tasks that, that you specifically don't have to do. So even like with my CD duplication company, if I were to turn this camera over there, there's four machines set up that are duplicating CDs, but I still sit down there and I do the manual labor, put the CD in the case, put the cover in the case, close it, pick a CD up. I still sit there for a few hours every single day and do that where I could be, you know, I'm in a position now to where I, I can be making hundreds to thousands of dollars with my time for very skilled things that only I can do. But I could pay someone else $20 to sit down for two hours and do those, put those CDs for me, uh, together for me and take them to the post office. Right. You know, and that's, and it, that's it, delegating. That's delegating. That's delegating. No, I yeah. agree. And I want to maybe explain a little bit for your audience so they can become entrepreneurs, maybe like yourself, because they look at you as a leader. So they're following you for a reason. So once you know the numbers, this goes back to the thing I forgot to mention to you on YouTube. Like when I saw that um, I was getting, here's the math I did on YouTube real quick. I said, okay, I have 103 million views watched. Okay. I have 3,250 videos or something like, or 3,700. I forget the number, whatever. I divided the total amount of views, 103 million by the amount of videos. And on average, my videos get 30,000 something views over time. So I said, okay, if I want to make five, if I want to have 5 million views in a month, it's going to take me how many videos per day. So I did all the math, blah, blah, blah. It ends up being six videos a day that I have to publish in order Jeez. to have the odds of getting to 5 million uh, views a month. So going back to um, you asked about like your motivation was getting to hundred K once you reverse engineer and get to like, okay, this is step one, that's step two, that's step three. All you do is just following the steps, but you have to reverse engineer first. And a lot of people don't do the numbers. So for example, when you want to delegate, you got to know how much a task is worth per an hour. So for example, a quick thing, I'm trying to think your audience is mostly artists, correct? Uh, yeah, I would say artists and it's, it's kind of I kind of have like three avatars where it's like artists, producers, and videographers. Okay, I'm trying. To, okay, so video, songs, and let's say beats. Yep. Even though beats and songs are kind of the same thing, let's say mixing slash song. So three tasks in a day, right? Song making, or mixing, making a video or video editing, and then making the beat. So depending on what their role is one of those things is going to be going to be valued more than the other. Like if you're more skilled at making beats, your time you spend making beats is going to be worth more than the time you video edit. And if you're a video editor, the time you spend video editing is going to be worth more than you making beats. So you have to determine what your master skill is. And then you say, okay, let's say I get paid. And again, you have to do that reverse math. If you make $40,000 a month, divide that by 30, divide that by 24, divide. Yeah. That's how much you make an hour. Okay. So let me do that math real quick. So let's say you make 40,000 a month, divided by 30, 
divided by 24. So your hour would be worth $56 an hour. So you know that anything less than $56 an hour is not worth your time. You're literally holding your business back because you're trying to do things that are worth $20 an hour and you're not doing the things that are worth $50 an hour. So here's the power. So let's say you have eight working days and I'll be quick about this. There's 24 hours in a day. You have eight hours of sleep, some people, and you have eight hours of work. Let's say they have another job. You have eight uh-huh. hours of free time. Like what's the other eight hours going to every day? So let's say you're working on your side hustle and it takes you, okay, to make, to mix a song, it might take you two hours to edit the song. It could take you two hours to make a beat. It could take you four hours. Actually, no, the mixing might take longer. Let's say video editing takes you four hours and the beat making takes you two hours to be realistic. So we have a total of eight hours. Now, let's say you're a producer in this case. I wish I had a pen, but let's say you're a producer in this case. If you're spending two hours mixing a song, mixing a song could be worth $30 an hour, let's just say. So that's $30 an hour times two, that's 60, okay? And I would show you the math, but I have other notes on here, so I don't know if that's, let me make sure it's not gonna compromise anything. It doesn't look like it. Yeah, actually, there's some stuff on this paper I can't show. But, so you have mixing, Top task, two hours a day times, uh, what I say, 30, that's $60. Then you have video editing. And let's say a good video editor is 20 bucks an hour. I don't know the rates. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. And these, vari- these are variables too, depending on who you hire and where. So let's say that gives you $80 because that's four hours times 20 is 80 bucks. But your beat making is worth $56 uh, per hour. So 56 times two is 112. So now you know in this math, now this is... Poor math because you're paying. It won't make it, you won't make money doing this if you do it this way. Okay, but if you delegate the songwriting and the mixing, you're going to lose sixty bucks for the day. If you delegate the uh, video editing, you lose eighty bucks for the day. So in total, every day is going to cost you one forty. But if you spend eight hours of hardcore time only making beats, eight times fifty six is is four hundred and forty four bucks. So your maximum potential, if you only made beats all day and you delegate the other stuff, you will make 444 bucks gross. And then you minus the cost of your team, which is 140 in this case. So mm-hmm. you're gonna end up with, you're gonna end up with 304 bucks net. So when you delegate, you make more money because if you were to do those tasks at the rates that they're valued at, you would only make, if, again, if you spent two hours uh, mixing a song, four hours editing the video, and two hours making the beat, you would only make uh, 112, hold on a second, that would give you, so 140 plus 112 is 252. So you're literally losing $50 a day by not delegating. And I don't think people understand, like, you have to know the numbers. So you know, if you put in a dollar, you get four back. You know that if you pay people 140 bucks a day, and you know that you're potentially gonna make, what I say, 440, you know, once you know the numbers, it's like obvious. Of course, you're going to hire people. Of course, you want to make more money. You make more money when you delegate. Yeah, I, I have a friend that uh, he he does the whole uh, growing weed. And, and so he's got kind of like busy works beats of growing marijuana. Right. So it's like <laughs> school of education. Uh, I wish I could think of it. Cannabis lifestyle. Cannabis lifestyle. Shout out to cannabis lifestyle. Shout out to Rob. Um, me and him have good phone calls and stuff. So he was walking me through. Uh, he said, so yeah, he's got a YouTube channel. Where he puts out free content, giving people tips. Uh, what kind of light should you use? What kind of soil should you use? 
tips and tricks for growing to get the most out of it. Um, he does coaching and he has courses that people can take to, to learn how to do all this stuff. Well, part of it, he said to me when I was telling him about all the different stuff I did and talking about delegating, he said one day he wrote down the list of everything that he does to run his business. Then he looked at that list and it was like, okay, these things I can de like I don't have to be doing these things. Or one might have been like doing his email uh, marketing or checking on his customer service or something like that. So he said he he hired a a virtual assistant or something like that. And man, it's just, it's crazy uh, opportunities and and what's resources are out there that you can use to really grow. Yeah, I have a just to tell you a little bit about my business. I agree, right? That's how you like. I essentially have like three businesses going. I have a premium website, which is now called musicproducerunion.com. So shout out to all the music producers and artists who want to be involved with that. But it's training, which is the foundation. And then you have a business accelerator part, and then you have a community part. But in order for that to run, I have to have a team of four other people, Jenna, Stefan, uh, Dana, and Ayana. Those are my four team members that handle all the issues that happen with you know, refunds or whatever it may be. So I have a team of four who are in America, by the way, and I've met all of them except one. They work remotely, which is a good thing because they didn't uh -huh. have any job messes with this whole thing. They didn't, it didn't mess with their job. Um, and they're real humans dealing with that. Now I heard that a couple of friends of mine who are business owners, they use Upwork.Philippine, like PH or PL, one of those Philippine links or whatever. And actually, uh, they pay them like about five bucks an hour. But to those people in the Philippines, that's like $50,000 a year to them. That's like $60,000 a year to them. Their dollar is different over there. So you're giving them a good lifestyle for the amount you're paying. And they speak better English than English speakers in America, which is insane. So people are going to get better service and better English from people in the Philippines. So that's why a lot of companies outsource. And you can look at, you can look at uh, websites like Upwork. I think it's called Upwork.pl. I'm going to find that link. Uh -huh. but Upwork is, is definitely a place to go to build a team. And yes, delegating customer service is the first thing. I did because hire where it hurts. Like, and there's so much to get into with team building, but the, when you build up, you have an email list. Uh, yeah. So can you imagine, let's say you have 10,000 people on your email list, right? I let's wish. Just, okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, keep going. And then you send out a message and now imagine everybody hitting reply. Now you have 10,000 emails. You have to literally go through one by one. That's insanity. So that's why a lot of people aren't ready to scale. Like they, do all these things to broadcast, but they're not ready for the energy to come back. Even if they're getting paid, you can get paid all day long, but you can have a thousand emails and backlog that say they want refunds. Now you're, you're making your business worse because you can't get to the emails in time. So I would hire a customer support team as soon as people could, and you can get them affordable um, from the Philippines. And again, they speak better English than Americans. That's insanity. And um, get them early because when you start to scale like Facebook ads and different things, that's when you'll have more inquiries and all these questions and stuff. And you need, cause that's going to, you got to delegate that. Cause that's going to take away time from the content creation and the social media and all the things you have to do to grow the business. So you're the four, you're the outward person. And then your team has to deal with the inward stuff. So like your job or our job as leaders, I shouldn't say you are like, I'm speaking directly to you, but anybody watching your job is to create the most outward momentum possible. That's why they say the leader is the lid of the business because they determine how much outward energy goes out 
And then you have to have a reciprocal team to, again, counteract the inward because you don't want the inward to overwhelm you to where you can't put out, you can't put out anymore. And that's what happens to a lot of people like behind the scenes. And I want to say one more note is that there are a lot of people on YouTube doing well on YouTube, but they don't have their business together. And I, I've, I've seen, again, in that mastermind group is all the top people in the industry and what we do. And I, I'm not going to disclose names on who doesn't have their business together, but they could be doing 100,000 views every video, but it doesn't mean they have everything else set up. So, so you guys got to learn from, you know, the real leaders, you're showing them traits of what it really takes to be an entrepreneur leader to get their uh, uh, vision going. So that's what I respect. Thank you, man. What would you say is the one thing that was most important uh, to help you find success in your journey? Let me think, because I want to give you a good answer. Because I used to ask people, what's the number one skill they, I should know? I would say... Hmm, I would say copywriting, because that kind of is the thing that makes good sales and it makes good communications and it makes good content. It starts with copywriting, like understanding people's emotional triggers, because again, real quick tier, right? Thought, emotion, action, res result. So the thought, the thought, excuse me, is your content is the thing that you send out to create an impression on somebody's mind. If you don't have good copywriting, it's never going to be emotionalized to where people then take action on whatever you want it to be. So copywriting is the way you go from thought to emotion. And I think that's probably the skill that a lot of people aren't taught. Is this shit easy? Is being busy works beats easy? Is what you do easy? <laughs> Let's just say I make it look easy. If you're but good you know, at what you do, you make it look easy. Yeah, and it's, it's like fun. people it's in fun. the stands watch LeBron James and they're like, oh man, you should have just dunked it. You should have. It's like, that's very hard to do, but yeah, he's so good at it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh yeah. You should have just shot it from half court. <laughs> yeah. You should have just tossed it up. Uh -huh. no, that's so right. But when you hear one important thing though, if you want to reach high levels as a high performer like yourself and, pe and people like us is you have to love what you're doing because if you don't love what you're doing, it'll be like when I had to record this one artist, it just was so draining. Like I was just like, I felt like a zombie at the end of it. It just didn't feel right. That's when you know, like, can you imagine if your whole day was just being drained every single day? You just wouldn't have enough to give anymore. So find the little nuances of what drain, like you got to find something that doesn't make you feel drained, I guess is what I'm trying to get to. Cause you got to, yeah, we're going to be putting in 10 hour days, 12 hour days, whatever it is, but you were drained because your energy, you were putting so much enthusiasm into it. That's different. I'm talking about yeah. like feeling like you're in like a, like hell on earth in your brain. You're just like, you know, it's like scraping your brain with the uh, fingers against the cr uh, chalkboard type of thing. Well, busy works beats everybody. That's the end of the podcast. Hey man, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for being so patient. I know I ran over time, so forgive me uh, with that. But it was dope. Again, I, this is what I love to do. I'm glad this is our first time meeting, and I'm glad we made something out of it. That's what I mean by, like, I don't hang. I like to create. Like, why don't we create? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. And I back whatever you got going, whatever you're, again, whatever message I can help you with, whatever. I got you.